morning, Orchard. Good morning. Hey, take out your Bibles this morning and turn to the book of John. John chapter 16, verse 33 in your Bibles or your mobile devices, or if you don't have any of those with you, we'll put it on the screen in just a minute. As you're finding your way, help me out with this this morning, church, if you believe this. Say this with me. God is good, God is good. All, the time. all the time. All the time. God is good. Do you believe that this morning, Orchard Church? Let me hear from you. That is an important truth to what we're going to talk about today as we begin our summer series. Uh, We're calling this You Asked For It. You guys submitted hundreds, literally hundreds of questions and topics that you want to know what the Bible says about different subjects. So thank you to everyone who submitted uh, your questions and your topic ideas. We're building our messages for the next about eight weeks in June and July around your questions and your topics. And so thank you. We're not going to be able to get to every single question, but a lot of you asked similar questions. We were able to put them in, you know, eight or ten different categories, and so we'll kind of bunch those together, and today we're kicking off with probably one of the most popular questions that was asked. It was asked in lots of different ways, but basically the question we're attacking today and looking at from a biblical perspective is, why do bad things happen to good people? I mean, how many of you guys have ever asked a question like that or heard a question like that? You know, why do, why do bad things happen to good people? You know, why does God sometimes not seem fair? I think we've all asked that question at different times. Today, we're going to look at that from a biblical perspective. If you've ever asked that question, you actually are in pretty good company. If you look in the Bible, Abraham, Moses, the prophet Jeremiah, they all ask questions of God. Why, God? Why is this happening? Why is this going on? Um, why doesn't this seem fair? David, the psalmist, cried out to God. Many times in his prayers, asking God the question, Why doesn't this seem fair? You know, why are bad things happening to, to good people? Now, today we ask the question a, a little differently, and some of you ask these questions that you submitted to us, like, Why are there starving kids in the world today? Uh, why are there diseases, uh, a sickness? Why are there natural disasters where hundreds and thousands of people sometimes die? And then sometimes we even ask a more personal question of why. We ask a question like, why is this happening to me? Why is this happening to someone I love? Why was I abused, you know, when I was a child or somebody I love? Why is my marriage struggling and other marriages seem to be doing great? You know, why um, can my kids, you know, not get along? Or why do I not have a relationship with them like other people do? Why, Why is my health failing? Why am I facing these health challenges when other people seem to be healthy around me? Why am I struggling at my job? Why are we struggling in our finances? It seems like we can never get ahead. Um, We can never make ends meet. This just doesn't seem right. It doesn't seem fair. We've all asked questions like this from time to time. And unfortunately, sometimes the conclusion that people come to is this. If God is all loving and all powerful, yet people still go through things that don't seem fair, then either God doesn't care or maybe God doesn't exist at all all. And so we ask why. We don't, we don't understand this. Now I want to challenge you this morning and say this as a little bit of a disclaimer in the beginning. This is not going to be a simple question to answer where we're going to do three points in a poem. We're going to go home happy and go off to lunch feeling really good. Because this is a hard question to answer. Amen? It's difficult. Why do bad things happen to good people? Why does God sometimes not seem fair? And my goal in answering this question today as we kick off our summer series, you asked for it, is this. It's not that I'm going to be able to give you all the answers to this, but to point you to the one who can and I believe one day will answer all of our questions. Amen? And that's a God who is good all the time and all the time he is good. So from a biblical perspective this morning, I want to give you four biblical possibilities 
to answer the question, why do bad things happen to good people? I hope you'll take some notes. They're on the back of your newsletter. The first one is this. Why do bad things happen to good people? First possibility is this. Maybe it's because you're just a victim of a broken world. You're just a victim of a broken world. We live in a broken world. Ever since God created man in the garden, you read in your Bible in Genesis chapter 1 and chapter 2, God created Adam and Eve and he put them in this perfect garden paradise. There was no sickness, there was no death, there was no disasters. They were meant to live forever and to have a lot of kids. Everything was perfect in Genesis chapter 1 and 2. If you're with me, say yes. But then you get to Genesis chapter 3 and everything falls apart. Because Adam and Eve chose to do things their way instead of God's way, and they chose to disobey God. And you know, I don't understand this, because Adam and Eve had it easy. They had a Bible with two verses in it. One was to do, and one was not to do. God said, be fruitful and multiply and have a bunch of kids, that's what I want you to do, and don't jack with that tree right there. Okay, I paraphrase that a little bit, you know, that's the Doug version, all right? But that was it. Be fruitful and multiply, enjoy the garden, enjoy everything, perfect, no sickness, no death, no pain. You're never going to fight as a married couple and don't eat from that tree. But they chose to disobey God and they sinned and because of that, they plunged all of humankind and history into sin and into a broken and a fallen world because they chose to disobey God. And so many times when bad things happen to us, it's just because we're a victim of a broken world that we live in. Jesus addressed this in John chapter chapter 16, verse 33. Look with me, if you will, and we'll also put it on the screen. And Jesus said this, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. In Jesus, we can have peace. And we need that because here on earth, you might have many trials. Is that what it says? You may? No, he says, you, help me church, you will have many trials. Here on this earth, Because of Adam and Eve and what they did to all of us, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. Can anybody give a testimony to that? (laughs) We live in that verse. But take heart, Jesus says, because I have overcome the world. It's not if we're going to have trials or we may have trials. We will have trials because we live in a broken world. You know, I I was reminded of this. Um, We just got back, Shelly and I, if you've been following us on Facebook, uh, from a two-week Hawaiian vacation just Shelly and I, just the two of us. It was amazing, and, uh, but we did bring a gift to all of you, the beautiful weather. It's been like this since we got back. We brought that from Hawaii, so you could thank us, because that's how it was in Hawaii. It was like 85 every day, but we were talking. This is the first time in 20 years that Shelly and I got to go away for more than a week, just the two of us, no kids, no family members, no friends. It, it was, it, it was am- yeah, you can celebrate that. It was awesome. It was awesome. We had, a, we had a fabulous time. Now, here, here's what happened. When we left for our trip, some of you knew we were going, some of you didn't. And those that knew we were going, they said, we were like three or four days into our trip and we weren't posting any pictures on Facebook. And they're like, why aren't you posting any pictures on Facebook? And we were like, well, we didn't want to, you know, rub it in that we're in Hawaii, you know. And so we started putting pictures on Facebook and people started commenting, oh, rub it in, you're in Hawaii. So we couldn't win either way. But we, we had this amazing trip. And, you know, some people said, well, how did you guys get along, you know? I mean, I mean, you, just the two of you for two weeks, no, no kids, nobody, just, I mean, a day and night, we were together for two weeks straight, and we got along fabulously. It was amazing, all but one moment, but I don't want, you, you guys don't want to know about that, I'm sure, so, 
<laughs> you know, we had a lot of fun. You know, remember, we just came off of our, our marriage series this spring, and we had the five uh, commitments to fail-proof our marriage. Remember, one of them was have fun together, face-to-face fun, side-to-side fun, skin-to-skin fun. We did all of those. You know what I mean? It was great. But there was this one moment that happened uh, on our trip. We uh, actually got to go, part of the trip was we went on a cruise and we left from Oahu and we got to visit um, the three different islands because we, we had wanted to see the other islands. It's a great way to do it. I I'd highly encourage you if you ever get an opportunity to do it. It was a great way to see the different islands. So we were two days on Maui, two days on the big island, and then two days in Kauai. And so, and then at night we're on the cruise ship and you know me, like I don't want to miss out on anything. So I had the schedule every day and I'm like, okay, we got to get back for dinner because then there's a show at seven, there's another show at eight and then there's the, the, the not so newlywed game. We're going to win that game. And so we got to do, you know, so I had it all planned out and uh, we were, we went to this show this one night and we, we sat down it was like a variety show thing they were doing. It was, it was like a hula show or whatever. And we sat down in seats kind of like this, theater seats. You know, like when you go to the movie theater, though, you get the drink holder, you know? You got the cup holder. Now, in the movie theater, the cup holders are really deep, and your, your cup will fit down in there, and you can't really knock them over. Well, I, somebody did really bad engineering and planning because the drink holder in the theater on the cruise ship was like this uh, deep. And I mean, so you barely touch a drink, and it would fall over. So we had just come from dinner, and I had a drink, and I had it sitting in the cup holder uh, next to to Shelly, and I accidentally bumped it with my arm, and I just had a little bit of my drink left, and it was was not a drink that would stain or anything like that. That's important to this story, okay, that you know this part of it. Now, let me just give a disclaimer right now before I get too far ahead. Shelly may or may not have a different version of this story, but this is my version, okay, of the story. You can ask her her version. But I, I, I bumped the, the drink. Now, I know some of y'all, all you want to know is what was in the drink, okay? Hey, what happens on a cruise with your wife stays on a cruise with your wife, okay? And it's irrelevant to the story. So I had this drink, and, and I bumped it, and a little bit spilled. Just, I mean, like a little drop spilled on Shelly's... Um, she had like a little sweater, sweatshirt on, and so it, it got on her arm, and it dried up. You couldn't see it was no big deal, and there was no problems, okay? The next night, we, but we were like, oh, man, you've got to watch these drink holders here. So the next night, we go back, and they're having a magic show, and I love magic shows, so we get in there, and I had another drink, but this time, it was very dark in color, known to stain, I'll just give you that much, and it was full, and I, I set it down. I said, no, we got to watch this because remember what happened last night, you know? And I was wearing very light-colored khaki shorts and a light-colored shirt, okay? I mean, it was pretty, pretty white. And, and the magic show starts, and the guy goes, he brings out this big beach ball. And he goes, we're going to play the music, and we're going to throw this out into the crowd, and you're going to bat it around, and whoever, you know, has the beach ball when the music stops, they're going to come up on stage and participate. Now, this is my version of the story. As soon as he said that, I turned to Shelly and I, I held on my drink. I said, we got to watch this drink. They're going to be throwing this ball around. We cannot spill this. And she says she didn't hear me. Okay? The music started. The ball comes right at us. And I'm holding my drink with one hand. And I, I hit it. And I save it. It goes way back behind us. And I'm like, we're safe. I turned my head. And little did I know, but the guy behind us takes it and he spikes it. And it hits Shelly in the back of the head. It's just a beach ball, y'all. But she claims this huge ball hit her in the back of the head. And the next thing I remember, I seriously thought Shelly had grabbed that drink, took it, and goes, 
and just dumped it in my lap. It, she couldn't have done a better job if she had picked it up and dumped it. She says it was an accident. I'm going to ask God someday. Because you know, it went all over me. I was completely stained. And if that's not bad enough, and any of you guys that know me uh, well, I am kind of OCD about my clothes. I don't like stuff. To, I don't like to get dirty. So this was really, really bad thing that happened to Pastor Doug, okay? Really bad. And so if that's not bad enough, this goes all over me. I look down, and the ball lands in my lap, and the music stops. True story. And the guy's like, hey, you. And I take it and I just throw it. And I said to Shelly, I got to get out of here. And I just ran out of the theater. I was covered in this. And so Shelly stayed in and watched the show. I went back to change. And things were a little tense for about an hour after that. It was the only moment of the entire trip. And so, you know, I, I just, I just, I was really upset. And I was like, I can't believe, you know, I told you to watch this and all this. And so Shelly, you know, if you know my wife, just sweet and innocent. She looked at me. She said, Doug, sometimes bad things just happen. And she dropped the mic and walked away. So... There you go. We're, we live in a broken world, and sometimes bad things just happen because of it. That's my version of the story, okay? And I'm sticking to it. So first thing, why do bad things happen to good people? Because we live in a broken world. Here's the second thing, get in your notes. Maybe, and this is a hard one, but if we're honest, maybe sometimes bad things happen to us because we brought it on ourselves. You brought it on yourself, if we're really honest. Why do bad things happen to good people? Sometimes we bring it on ourselves. Uh, Paul said this in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7. He says, don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you, say it church, what you plant. You reap what you sow. Have you ever heard that? We, we reap what we sow. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. We cannot make bad decisions and expect to experience good results. We make bad choices, we're going to have bad consequences. Now, the good news is if we make good choices, there will be good things that happen. He says, but those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. And so if we're honest, sometimes bad things happen to us because we have made bad decisions. We could probably all give a testimony about that. I know I could. So, I mean, let, let's say you're at a party, you know, and you're like, you've done your 12th beer bong, and you get in your car, and you start driving, you get pulled over by the police, and you get arrested for a DUI, and you're sitting in jail, and you're crying, your eyes out, God, why me? This isn't fair. Why am I jail? You know what God's going to say to you? Because thou drinkest, thou 12th beer bongest, you are in jaileth. You brought it on yourself. Don't blame God for bad decisions. You know, I, I see this a lot with people financially. I see people make bad financial decision after bad financial decision, and then they wonder why they never can make ends meet, why they're always struggling, their budget doesn't work out. You know, they're driving a $50,000 car with a $1,000 a month payment, and they live in an $800 apartment. You should move into the car if you like it that much. You know, and, and they make $28,000 a year, and they went, why, God, can't we ever make it on our finances? And a lot of times, if we're honest, we bring it on ourselves. This is why one of our values here at Orchard Church, as a church and as individuals, is we want to learn to act our wage. Not just our age, but our wage. How do we do that? By giving to God first, saving second, and then learning to live on the rest. So why do bad things happen to, to good people? Well, maybe it's just because we're in a broken world. Sometimes bad things just happen. Because we live in a fallen world. Maybe it's because 
you brought it on yourself or I brought it on myself. Here's a third one, third reason. Maybe God wants to do something big in your life. Maybe what you're going through that seems so bad and unfair, God has allowed this to come into your life because he wants to do something God-sized. If you know what I'm talking about, say yes. He wants to show up in a supernatural, miraculous, God-sized way. We've got a great example of this. You're in John chapter 16. Go back a few chapters to John chapter 9. And in John chapter 9, beginning in verse 1, there's this amazing story of this man who was blind from birth. He was born blind. And everybody was asking, why? Why God? This doesn't seem right. This doesn't seem fair. Who messed up? Who sinned? But God's about to show them, Jesus is about to show them that he has something big planned for this man and he's been planning it his entire life for this moment. Let's read it. In John chapter 9, verse 1, it says, As Jesus was walking along, he saw a man who had been blind from birth. Rabbi, his disciples asked him, Why was this man born blind? Was it because of his own sins or his parents' sins? See, they're trying to blame somebody. You know, somebody's done something wrong. Somebody's messed up. And Jesus says, no, you've got it all wrong. Verse 3, it was not because of his sins or his parents' sins. Well, then why? Jesus answered, this happened so the power of God could be seen in him. Everybody say power of God. God. Jesus says, you're about to see the power of God take place. I'm about to do something big. This man was born blind, he's an adult now, evidently, and people have always wondered why, and they're about to see why God allowed this to happen, because God is about to show up in a really big way. The power of God is about to be on display. We see it in verse 6. It says in verse 6, then he spit on the ground, he made mud with the saliva, and he spread the mud over the blind man's eyes. He told him, go wash yourself in the pool of Siloam. Siloam means scent. So the man went, and he washed, and he came back what, church? He came back seeing. I mean, he could see for the first time in his life. And not only could he see physically, but I believe he could see spiritually. People understood. I mean, you can imagine the effect this would have had on this man, this man's family, his friends, the people in this community, that now we get it. Now we understand why he was born blind. God had something big in store and big planned. Get it this way in your notes. God may have a purpose in the middle of your pain. God may have a purpose in the middle of your pain. I don't believe that God ever wastes our suffering. He doesn't waste our suffering. He always has a plan. He always has a purpose. And maybe whatever you're going through in your life right now that you don't understand that doesn't seem fair, God has something big if you'll just wait for it. If you just be patient and trust God and wait for it. Uh, Shelly and I certainly have experienced this in our life. I've been in full-time ministry over 25 years. And if you were to ask me the most difficult time in our ministry, the, the, the biggest test that we've ever gone through of our faith, it was about 12, 13 years ago. I was pastoring a church in Kokomo, Indiana, first church I ever pastored. It sounds tropical, Kokomo, Indiana. It is not, I promise you, okay? It is not tropical in any way. But uh, well, I was pastoring a church there for about five and a half years. It was an older church. It was about 50, 60 years old. It was steeped in man-made tradition, very conservative. And, you know, I came in there. I was 30 when I, I started pastoring that church and I I knew that we had to make some major changes to be relevant to reach the next generation and we had to do some things differently when I first started there preaching I preached in a suit and tie every Sunday which is why I never preach in a suit and tie at Orchard Church I did my time okay 
I did my time. And so I, we started trying to make changes, and, and we saw God do amazing things, and we saw a lot of people accept Christ and get baptized and get discipled. When we took the church, it was about 100 people, and it got up to about 350, 400, but we still, then we kind of stalled out, and, and, and we needed to make some other changes, you know, to, to be effective and reach people for Christ. But unfortunately, a lot of the people that have been in that church for a long time, they were more concerned with their comfort than other people's conversion. And you know what I'm talking about. Some of you know what I'm talking about. And so we, we basically, I'll, I'll save you the gory details, we came to an impasse and part of the church wanted to go one direction to reach more people for Christ. The other part of the church just wanted to stay comfortable in their steeped man-made traditions. And what we realized was if we stay and fight this out, we're going to split this church and I don't want to be a part of a church split. And so we, we felt like God said, it's time to just step away. I didn't know what I was stepping away to. I just stepped out in faith. And I resigned that church and said, okay, God, what's next for us? I had no idea. I didn't put any resumes out, anything. For about two months, I took another job, secular job, working with a guy in our church, just waiting for what God might have for us. I get a phone call from Colorado. A church wanted to bring us here and then send us out. And that is how Orchard Church got planted 10 years ago. I would say now, 10, 12 years later, God used that. He had something big in store. Can we celebrate that this morning, Orchard Church? Something big. And you know, I, I, I didn't understand it at the time. I mean, there were many sleepless nights. There were many tears that were shed. It was a, it was a challenging time for Shelly and I. But I look back now, and I wouldn't trade it for anything because God had something big in store. And we're experiencing that here at Orchard Church. And I, I want to be sensitive to whatever's going on in your life. I don't know how this is speaking to some of you today, but I, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know your situation, and I can't promise you how it's going to turn out. But maybe, just maybe, what you don't understand now, what doesn't make sense, what doesn't seem fair, if you'll just trust God and wait on God, he may have something big right around the corner. Do you believe that, church? He might have something really big. And I think what happens so often is we bail out on God and walk away from God because we lose patience and we miss out on the big blessing of God. If we'll just trust him, even when we cannot trace him, and we'll hang, hang in there. So why do bad things happen to good people? Well, one, it's just because we live in a broken world. Bad things just happen. Two, sometimes it's because we bring it on ourselves. Three, something, God might have something big in store. And I've given you three maybes, maybes. Let me give you a for sure. Are you ready for a for sure? Here's what I know for sure. For sure, God is doing something in you and not to you. When you go through challenges, when you go through trials, when you go through difficulties, God is trying to do something in you. He's not trying to do something to you, to hurt you. Um, James talked about this in James chapter 1. I love this passage. He said, dear brothers and sisters, notice the next word. Let's say it together, church. When, it doesn't say if, it says when troubles come your way, because they will come, consider it an opportunity for great joy. You're like, okay, so next time, you know, I go through a trial, a tribulation, a difficulty, woohoo, yay, thank you, God. You can if you understand what God may be trying to do in your life. That he's not trying to do something to you. He's trying to do something in you. He says you can consider it an opportunity for great joy. Why? For you know for sure that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. Isn't that true? When your faith is tested, when we go through trials and tribulations and difficulties, that is when we have the opportunity to get closer to the Lord. Our faith is grown and God does something in us to build our faith, to strengthen us, to, to make us rely on him more. And this is true of all of us. You know, whether you're a believer in Jesus Christ or not, 
I bet you can look back in your life and something that happened that was bad in your past that you didn't like and you didn't understand, you'd look back and you say, that made me stronger. If you know what I'm talking about, say yes. That made me better. That made me stronger. And if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, you would probably say, it drew me closer to the Lord than I've ever been. If you think back right now to a time in your life where you were the closest in your walk with the Lord, I bet many of you, you'll go back to a trial. You'll go back to a time that things were difficult. And you were reading your Bible more, you were praying more, you were serving more, and your faith grew through that. And you would say like I did with what happened to us in Kokomo, I would never choose that, but God used that. I would not choose it, but God used it. Um, And you know, anytime I talk about a subject like this, I'm reminded of one of the most tragic events that took place in the history of Orchard Church, even though we're, you know, only about 10 years old. And some of you know this story, but we have a lot of new people in our church, and I, I don't ever want us to forget what, what took place and, and how God used this in the life of our church and a lot of our, a lot of our people that were here at this time. When our church, when we first started Orchard Church, we, we moved to Denver, we didn't know anybody. And we started meeting people in our apartment complex, and we just started inviting them over to our living room for a Bible study. That's how Orchard Church got started. And so we met this couple and their name was Jamie. His name was Jamie. Her name was Gabrielle Johnson. And we called her Gabe. Uh, they had moved here from um, Minneapolis. They didn't have any friends. They didn't know anybody. We met them in our apartment complex. And they started coming to our, our Bible study. Jamie had accepted Christ as a young person, but he'd walked away from the Lord, hadn't been in church in years. Gabrielle, Gabe, had not grown up in church. She had never been in church a day in her life. Um, she, none of her family was saved. She did not grow up in a Christian home. And I remember we had the privilege to lead her to Christ in, in our living room one evening. She accepted Christ. Jamie got back right with the Lord. We baptized both of them one night in a hot tub at our apartment complex. I discipled Jamie. Shelly discipled Gabe. This is Shelly and Gabe together. And uh, Gabe had two children, young children, and was pregnant with her third, so she had three young children. And man, we saw them grow, I mean, leaps and bounds. They fell in love with Jesus. They fell in love with the Orchard Church. They served. I mean, they, they were involved in everything. I mean, Jamie, her husband and I, we were the setup and teardown team and everything else for like the first two or three years of the church. And it was amazing what God did in their life. And I remember Gabe, you know, when Gabe got saved, she got the gift of evangelism. Man, she fell in love with Jesus. She wanted everybody to fall in love with Jesus. I mean, he radically changed her life. And I remember when we would do prayer requests in our small group, she would say, pray for my mom, pray for my dad, pray for my sister, pray for my family, pray for my neighbors. None of them know Jesus. I want them to know the Jesus I know. And she was passionate about all of her friends and family back in Minnesota and all of her neighbors and friends here that they would come to know Jesus. And I remember I got a call one Wednesday morning from someone in our church that was driving by their house. They lived in Frontier Village. And they said, there's an ambulance out in front of the Johnson's house. And I said, well, let me go see what's going on. And she had a daycare in the home, so I thought it was something with one of the kids. We showed up at the house. I showed up at the door. The the police officer working the scene met me at the door. I told him who I was. And he said, well, I'm really sorry to tell you this, but Gabrielle passed away in her sleep last night. She had gone to, she had fallen asleep on the couch watching a movie. Uh, Jamie, her husband, was off because he was an airline pilot, so he would be gone a couple of days at a time. He was away in, in, in another state, and she had fallen asleep on the couch, and she woke up in heaven. I mean, for her, what a way to go. But she was 32 years of age, three young children, all under the age of six. And we were devastated. They did a full autopsy, and to this day, there was no medical explanation what happened. Jesus just took her. 
And I remember it challenged us as a church. It brought us together as a church family. We learned what it really means to be there for someone in their darkest hour of need and we loved on them and we prayed with them and we cried with them and man it was a it was a a, one of the most difficult times in the life of this church but one of the most precious times if you know what I mean and I remember I had the privilege to do her memorial service we did one right here at Prairie View High School right here in this auditorium for all of her friends and all of our church and then I flew to Minnesota and we did when we were in a church that held 200 people and there were about 500 people standing room only because that's where she grew up and most, all of her friends and family, none of them knew Jesus. And I knew what Gabe would tell me to say to them. Tell them about the Jesus I met. Tell them about the Jesus I fell in love with. And I was able to share her life-changing story and relationship with Jesus. And between this service and the one in Minnesota, over 100 people accepted Jesus Christ, their Lord and Savior. Amen. You know, I... I would never choose for that to happen. Who would? But I can tell you this, God used it in a powerful way and continues to, to this day. And the the truth is this, in a supernatural way, the more pain we endure, the more our faith and dependence on God is built. Isn't that true? The more pain we endure, the more we have to depend on God. And we understand that God's not trying to do something to us when we go through trials. He's trying to do something in us. I say it all the time. I believe this. Whatever God brings you to, he'll bring you through. I believe that. And so when you walk through life long enough, you learn that God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. And as we wrap this up this morning, you know, we can be so quick to ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? But the truth is, biblically, that is a flawed question. Because the Bible says in Romans 23, we've all sinned and we've come short of a relationship with God. The Bible says in Romans 3.10, there is none of us on our own that are righteous. No, not one. Paul said, in my flesh dwells no good thing. And so the better question to ask is not why do bad things happen to good people, but the better question to ask is why do good things happen to bad people? Because something bad only happened to someone truly good one time and he volunteered for it and his name is Jesus. And some of you know what I'm talking about. And because of what Jesus did for us on the cross, we don't have to ask the question, why do bad things happen to good people? The gospel, the good news, gospel means good news, is this, that good things happen to bad people because of what Jesus did for us. Good things like salvation, forgiveness of sins, grace, mercy, redemption, adoption, love, acceptance, heaven, eternal life with God. We all get to experiencing these things because of the goodness of God and Jesus Christ. And that's what we're celebrating right now, Orchard Church. Let's praise God for that. So when we're tempted to say, you know, God is not fair, I would agree with you. God is not fair, but he is absolutely just. And there's a difference. Because see, if God was fair, we would all get what we deserve because of our sins. But praise God, he's not fair, he's just. And here's what he did about it. The psalmist says it this way in Psalm 103 verse 10. God, he did not punish us for all our sins. Can we have an amen? This is how good our God is. He did not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us as we what? deserve for his unfailing love toward those who fear him he has removed our sins as far as the east is from the west why because God is good 
all the time and all the time. God is good. Can we celebrate that this morning, Orchard Church? Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you this morning that you are good all the time, that you are gracious, that you are merciful. We are thankful that we know biblically, from a biblical perspective, something bad only happened to someone truly good once, and that was your son Jesus. And he did that to save us. Thank you for being that good, even though we failed you many times. As we continue in an attitude of prayer right now, heads bowed and eyes closed. Maybe you're here today and you're going through something that you don't understand, that doesn't seem fair, that's very difficult. I want you to know I care. But more than I care, God cares. And he wants to be there. He wants to do something in you, not to you. And, and, and maybe some of you are here today, I don't know what your situation is, but you do and God does. And you needed this message desperately. You needed some encouragement. So if you're here today and you'd say, you know, Pastor Doug, would you pray for me? I'm going through a challenging situation right now. I'm in a trial right now. Would you pray for me that I would see it from God's perspective, that I would grow in my faith and that God would work in my life? Can I pray for anyone like that? Would you slip up your hand all across this auditorium? Pray for me right now. I'm going through a trial. God bless you. God bless you. Hands everywhere. Thank you. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray that you'd be with those who are facing trials and difficulties today. I pray that you would be with them in a very real an intimate and supernatural way. I, I, I pray that you would just show yourself real on their behalf in their life, that your grace will be sufficient for whatever they're facing, that we know that whatever you bring us to, you will bring us through, and that you would encourage and strengthen them today, and that you would do something in them, and then they would not see that you're doing something to them. And that they might look back one of these days and say, you know what, I would never choose that, but God used that in a powerful way in my life for your honor and glory and for our good. We continue an attitude of prayer with heads bowed and eyes closed. If you're here this morning and you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, let me say it again. Something bad only happened to someone good one time. And he volunteered for it. And his name is Jesus. And he did that, that you might have eternal life, a relationship with God. And you know what? It may just be that God is speaking to somebody here this morning. And the reason you've been going through trials and difficulties is because God has been trying to get your attention to draw you to himself, to his love and to his grace and to his mercy. To say, you know, are you, just, are you tired of trying to figure out life on your own? I'm here for you. And the good news is, he doesn't want to punish you today. He wants to save you today. He wants, to, he wants a relationship with you. He wants to remove your sins. And so if that's you today, and God's speaking to you in that way, and you know who you are. I want, to, I want to lead you in a prayer of faith. It's not a magic prayer or magic words, but if you put faith behind this, you can invite Jesus into your life today. You can say yes to Jesus. So if that's you today, would you pray this prayer with me right where you sit from your heart to God's? It goes like this. Jesus, I call on you today to come into my life. Be my Lord. Be my Savior. Forgive me of my sins. I need you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me and dying for me so I can have a relationship with you. Thank you. 
heads bowed, eyes closed, and we're looking around for just a moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I never want to do that. But if you just prayed that prayer of faith for the first time and you really meant it, I'd love the privilege and honor to pray for you that you would grow in your walk and relationship with Jesus from this day forward. So right now, would you just slip up your hand for prayer? Yes, I prayed that prayer. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you, ma'am. God bless you. Thank you. One, two, three, four, five. God bless you. Thank you. Anyone else? God bless you. Several people. Yes, I prayed that prayer of faith. I really meant it. I said yes to Jesus today. Anyone else? Several people. God bless you. Thank you. Let me pray for you. Father, I pray for those that put their faith and trust in you today. I pray that they would grow in the relationship and walk with you from this day forward. They would fall in love with you and your word and that you guide and direct their life and anything that they may be going through, that they would know they're not going through it alone, that your grace is sufficient and you are there with them to strengthen them. We pray that they would grow in the relationship and walk with you uh, from this day forward. And Lord, may we just remember that you are good all the time and all the time you are so good and we praise you for that this morning we pray all this in jesus name amen can we celebrate decisions for christ this morning amen If you made a decision for Christ this morning and you, you prayed that prayer with me and you meant it and it came from your heart, please let us know about that. There on your connection card inside your newsletter, there's a box that says, I accepted Christ. Just check that box. Give us your, your mailing address because we want to continue to pray for you and send you a free book in the mail that'll help you in your walk and journey with Christ. You can drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. Also, we want to thank all of our first-time guests for being uh, our guest here at Orchard Church this morning. Hopefully, you filled out your guest connection card. You can drop that in the offering bucket when it goes by. First-time guests, we we're not interested in your money today, first-time guests, but we're definitely interested in you. Uh, we'll send you a thank you note and a free gift in the mail, so drop that in. Also, I'd love the privilege to meet you. If you're new today or newer to Orchard Church, I haven't met you personally, I'd love to meet you. I'll be hanging out in the courtyard by the white tent, so come by, introduce yourself. Um, right now, we get the privilege to celebrate our most recent uh, baptism that we had last Sunday. Uh, last year, we did our baptisms every other month, but we started having so many people being baptized that we had to go to every month. Isn't that a great problem to have that we have that many? So on Memorial Day weekend, on a weekend where a lot of people are gone, I think we had like 15 people that went public with their faith through baptism uh, last Sunday. So right now we're going to continue to worship the Lord through our gifts, uh, through our tithes and our offerings. As we're doing that, we're also going to celebrate the baptisms and check out what else is going on around here at Orchard Church. So don't go anywhere. Check this out. God bless you guys.